Hey, this is Reza. This is Sandy. Welcome to the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Hello and welcome to the 147th episode of the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. It's good to be back in America. Dude, it's been like it's been like a month almost since we recorded an episode together. It has not only been three a weeks. month. Yeah. Well, I can't remember. Yeah. I, I lose track of time. It, it's been a while. But it's also felt like because of the massive time difference, like you and I just have not talked at all. Yeah. It's bec- uh, yeah, it's, it was a 12-hour time difference and you were also like did you were you still on vacation when I left? No, no, I was here. I've been here. Uh, I, I was there was there was a very slight overlap between when I got back from Florida and when you were here. Mm-hmm. That's when we banged out the three episodes, and then you left oh, during yeah. that week. So it was a few yeah. days overlap, I think. Okay, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I will say this: uh, the jet lag is real, but let's t- sort of just jump right into uh, how the trip went. Yeah. So, I will say this: the. Uh, the night before, my sister, uh, I had my sister just stay over. I figured it'd be easier to travel in the morning if we were all sort of in one area, and we went to the Smith for for dinner. Naturally, and then, yep, uh, the last sort of hurrah dinner before we we flew out, uh, and the uh, the server that I know was there, and he took very good care of us. We ordered uh, effectively like two entrees and an appetizer, right? Uh, he came out with three appetizers, uh, our two entrees, a side, and then when it came down to dessert, we got two cups of coffee, and then he gave, pulled out three desserts, uh, and when the bill came, he charged me for one entree and one appetizer. Uh, so, effectively, I got like over, what, like a hundred and something change dollars worth of food? Was that was that intentional on their part, just because they love you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because uh, I'm, I'm very good friends with one of the servers, and I always let them know when I'm coming in. Uh, so when people say, like, how could you be uh, – like, how could the Smith, which basically just does, like, pretty simple American food, uh, be, like, one of your favorite restaurants? It's like, well, it's never really just been about the food. Like, the food plays a, a pretty minor role in it. It's mostly been, like, just the, the memories that you make and the uh, – the scene that, that, that they have. Uh, and one of the things I really like about it is it's one of the rare New York restaurants that they're not trying to kick you out the second you're done. You know, like they never rush you out the door. Yeah. Because, I mean, how many times have I told you stories of just like, sitting there for hours? Yeah, yeah. And they never, like, even after I've paid the bill, they're just like, yeah, chill out. There's nowhere to, you know, you, you don't have to go anywhere. I still find that really surprising that they that they are like that, you know? Like, mm-hmm. that. A table, a table is as another customer. So if you're done eating, it's like, all right, time to bring the next customer in because they're going to be paying. They're, they got to eat. But yeah. yeah, even even when we went there, I never felt I never felt any type of pressure. It's like really crowded in there. <laughs> it's really crowded, but it's really never felt crowded, any right? Type of pressure ever. Yeah. Um, but I ended up tipping him like seventy dollars. Like so, uh, he takes care of us, and we also take care of him. Um, it's not like we're tr- we're here actively trying to take advantage of the situation. It's yeah. just we appreciate what he does, um, and like because 
this time it felt a little bit more like he was giving us a ton more food than normal that i was like listen like i'm happy to tip you knowing that uh, you're getting this instead of just like you giving us all this food and then i only tip you like 20 percent off of whatever the bill was you know what i mean yeah absolutely like so whatever the bill ended up being i was like hey let's just round this up to at least a hundred dollars so you can you know you have it. yeah of course and then he was very appreciative he texted me after work goes dude you don't have to do that like i like taking care of you but it's like you know it's not, you know I, we appreciate you and you appreciate us and it's sort of like you know it's a nice sort of relationship both ways real quick question let me ask you yep. uh when when how did you go about getting his phone number Oh, uh, well, my friend had it because uh, he used to go to the Lincoln Center location more than I did. Uh, they take care of me uh, down in the Nomad location, which is closer to my office. Uh, but he went to the Lincoln Center one f- for longer, so then he introduced me to him, and then I, that's how I got the number. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but then, like, so the next morning... Uh, we're, we're, we're sort of off and there was no traffic on the way to the airport. Uh, my sister and I both have global entry, so we were able to like f- literally fly through security. Uh, we spent like 20 bucks on eggs and coffee at some like random spot because my sister doesn't eat food on the, uh, on the airplane. Wait, really? You know how like I don't, yeah, she, you know how I don't go to the bathroom on airplanes? Yeah. Well, she doesn't eat food on the airplanes. Wait, wait, why, why does uh, she eat food just because she doesn't like it? She got really sick uh, once. That'll do it. You don't even have like, to explain I think anymore. She she, yeah. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. So she just like doesn't – she'll bring like uh, some snacks or whatever herself. Um, and I, I brought like a ton of uh, protein bars. So she had that as well. Um, but she like whenever the food comes over, she'll just refuse it outright. Meanwhile – you know, my fat ass, I'm just like, yeah, no, I'll take that too. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, do you wh- take her food too? <laughs> Uh, uh, no, so uh, when we got on the flight, uh, me and her, we upgraded to prior, not priority, uh, Economy Plus um, because it looked like on the flight out that it was just going to be a much emptier part of the plane. Uh, so we lucked out in the fact that me and her, we both got our own row. And so she fell asleep and I sat in front of her and I fell asleep in the beginning because I popped his equal and then when I woke up, uh, it was like lunch service. So I was like, yeah, let me try some of it. And I've sort of come to realize that airplane food is just not good. <laughs> Sandy, Sandy, hold on. You're 28 years old, right? You're 28 years old. Right now you're just coming to realize this. Like, because I've always been like, uh, the food has always been like serviceable, like it's not the greatest food, yeah, yeah. right? But it's edible. But it's edible. It's like no, I can't, you know, I mess with this, and you're usually, I'm, I don't know, I'm hungry, so I'm like, yeah, I can, I yeah, can eat can this. Eat. But this time it was more of a ooh, like the the spicy chicken, what like uh, stir fry that they made. It was like, oh, this is just not good. I see, I see. Yeah, that's what I mean. gotcha. Um, yeah, but I ended up watching. Uh, so, for, so from a food perspective, not good. Um, and then I watched, uh, both of the Rise of the Apes movies. Oh. Uh. Yeah, the new, the newest one? The new ones. Yeah, because, you know, people said they were good. And they weren't lying. The first one was really good. The second one I passed out in, uh, but I heard it was good. Um, <laughs> and then I watched one called, movie called Paris Can Wait, which was really good. I ended up watching a few other movies. Uh, I think I watched Guardians of the Galaxy, but that's just a movie to have on so I can pass out to. Hold on real quick. So this is an 18-hour flight? 
No, no, no. This is a 14-hour 14, 14 flight. 14-hour flight. Okay. 14-hour direct How flight. How many hours would you say you slept at the beginning when you had this equal? Probably like four. And did you lay down like across your seats or did you just kind of stretch your legs out? Like did you lay down on all the seats or you just – So I tried to. Uh-huh. I tried to lay down across all the seats, but there was no configuration where my feet were going to be comfortable because my feet were always like extended past I see. the uh, – that armrest, and they said that that was no no. <laughs> Did they somebody come say could, something to you, or they was just like, "Hey, I'm sorry. Like, you know, you can totally lay down, but you can't have your feet dangling in the aisle." And I was like, "Well, all right." So it was like, "Well, I can't like really like cuddle into this like seat." No, because that wasn't comfortable. Yep. Um. So what I ended up doing was just like sitting at a pretty like, at like a man spread angle, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, but it was just nice mentally to know that I had all this space um, and that it, I wasn't, like, encroaching on anyone else's space. That was a good thing. Um, we landed, and it was fine. Making your way through customs was was not hard at all. Um, and then my parents were there to pick us up. Uh, and then when we drove into the city, I just realized that China – has changed so much since the last time I was there. The last time I was there was about five years ago. Um, and, like, Shanghai is a highway city. Um, what do you mean by that? So, like, they have multiple rings of highways. Oh, okay, okay. And because most people move around by by car, that, uh, like, it's much more optimized now for for highways. And they have, like, multiple rings, and there's a lot of rules because... You know, Shanghai is a city of 30 million people, uh, which is, uh, well, of the metro. So Manhattan has, they'd argue, has 2 million people, I want to say. Um, and I know that some people are like, oh, my God, Manhattan is, like, so crowded. It's like, no, Manhattan's not really that crowded. It depends on, like, where you are and what you're doing and what, to- like, you know, like, what time of year you're in. But overall, like, Manhattan is not really that crowded. Uh, yeah, go spend some time Shanghai, in China or, or India. Yeah, Shanghai is crowded. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, like I said, Manhattan has 2 million. New York metro area, including all five boroughs, has 8 million. And now China has th- over three times that. Like, China's crowded, dude. Yeah, it's crazy because China has so many large cities like that, too. Like, it's it's not like like there's multiple New York cities or, I guess – Three oh, yeah. x New York cities in the, in the country of China. China has more million man cities, I think, than any other country in the world. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, um, but it was just always crazy to see. Like the last time I was in China, the number of cranes in the skyline, which is sort of like a unofficial metric for how you know healthy a city is, was staggering, and that number just has not stopped at all. And I think there was that photo that I sent you. Uh, where I was like standing on that, uh, yep, like that really that. high floor. Yep. Uh, well, no, 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 not the one outside. Oh. Uh, the one of just like all the buildings uh, that stretched on forever. Did I send you that photo? I'm looking through the Slack right now, trying to find it. I think you did. Yeah, it was just crazy because it felt like the future where you know there's there's too many skyscrapers to count, and it's just they stretch out literally forever. Um. So that was such a crazy moment to realize. Like, it, I, it almost stopped me in my tracks. Like, holy crap! This is, this is what the future might look like, which is just overcrowding. And you know, it was hazy that day. And then when you look at the the, the highway and all the traffic, it's just like, dude, 
I haven't been in traffic, Reza, like I had when I was back in Shanghai. Um, there were times of the day where you literally just could not call a car because everyone was either like leaving or going to work, and they were just saying like, "Yeah, no, it's it's like impossible to call a car right now. Like you, you should have thought about it before you made plans. <laughs> should have thought about it." Should have thought about it, and we the weather wasn't too good because the first few days we were there, there was like a typhoon in the region, and it was just torrential downpour for like easily for like the first five days that I was there. Brutal. Yeah. So imagine it being like eighty, like low eighties, high seventies, but like a hundred degree, like hundred percent humidity. Huh. Yeah, it's just it's. It, I haven't felt that in a while, but in Shanghai, it's it's crazy. Like, you just know that you're going to sweat all day. But the funny thing is the locals say, well, that's why they say all the women in Shanghai have really nice skin because you're so moisturized, the, like, the entire time. It's like you, when you look at Chinese women from the north, you see how, like, how dry their skin is. Like, well, that's, there's a reason. It's like there's, there's no humidity up there. It's like, well, I guess if you can turn humidity into a positive, I guess that makes sense. I know, right? <laughs> um, but the thing I looked forward to the most was definitely seeing family. Uh, I, it's because it's been a while since I had been home. Uh, a lot of like my family friend, well, my parents' friends, uh, hadn't seen me since the uh, the weight loss, which is like because the last time I was there, I was still at Ogilvy, and like that was when I was like close to. That's when I probably was one hundred and ninety pounds, and they were just when they came when I walked when people walked into like the restaurant and they saw me they're like wait. No, this can't be you, can it? Right. Like, it, it was so nuts uh, to see that. Because they were like, dude, you were so fat the last time you were back. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Which I love. Well, because, like, this is what I learned, dude. Chinese people, right? Like, this is just going to be one big, like, culture immer- cultural immersion episode. Um, but Chinese people are just mad direct. It's super, yeah. Super direct. It's, like, not rude. It's just they're, they're direct about stuff. They were like, damn, bro, um, so, last time. I didn't want to say it to your face then, but now that you're skinny, I can say you were super fat, man. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of how it went down with some of these conversations. I was like, yeah. And the only way I would respond is like, yeah, no, I know I was super fat. Like, like, what did you do? And I go, well, I just like stopped eating like an idiot, and I worked out a lot. And they're like, yeah, but did you like take medicine or something? They're like, no, no, I'm not taking no medicine for this. He goes, but you were like really big. And I go, no, I know. It took years to, to lose that weight. Um. It's just funny that even like out there, they're like, yeah, but like, what medicine did you take so I know in the future just in case um, sort of thing. The food, though, dude, I can, I can easily understand that if I stayed in China for a lot longer and I wasn't as active, then like the, the, the pounds would come right back on. The food is incredible out there. You were posting pictures I, I, nonstop of like all these super fancy foods that you were eating. Yeah. I was like, these and dudes are real good. Dude, I mean, like a king out there. That's like, that's probably the second best reason to go back. Uh, because my family uh, knows a lot of great people who have access to stuff, and they know where to eat. So it's like in China, it's all about like this this thing called guanxi, which is literally comes in. It's literally translates to, like the, your relationship, right? And Chinese sort of culture is based on all that, and we know a lot of people who are in some pretty high positions, and it's just nice to live like that VIP life because obviously I'm not living that out here, so it's 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 like a fun 
little experience to be like, no, 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 yeah, we, no, we got you. Like, um, so that extended to restaurants that we were able to get into, and like the, like, oh, like there's no tables, but no, we got you. Like, come on, come on back, we got you. Or stuff like, uh, oh, um, like here's the thing. Like there was this. Uh, I know I'm flying all over the place, but this Shanghai has like this. Uh, sort of like this uh, history museum that's world-renowned. And the big thing in town is like the British Museum in London loaned them a hundred pieces that's meant to sort of show and illustrate like the the evolution of man from a cultural standpoint. And it's like the hottest thing in town. I guess because like they don't get to see too much Western art. Like you and I, whenever we go to any museum out here, it's just like, you know, like... Greek shit, Roman shit, like you see that all the time, but out there in China, you don't get uh, access to that all the time, so it's a big deal out there. So the average, like, it's free to get in, but the lines that you have to wait through, some people are saying, like, the average wait time is, like, five hours, and you just see people, like, waiting in line at, the like, the beginning of the day, and then that's what we did, uh, not really wait in line, but sort of, like, got to the museum early, and then when we got there, my mom made a phone call, because... We know the uh, the director of the museum, and he goes, yeah, 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 no, no, no. I'm gonna send my assistant down. She'll she'll bring it right in. And so we're just waiting, and then all of a sudden you see some lady like flash her badge to get us through security. She goes, yeah, listen, like uh, really happy that you guys are here. You know, she gave us a little bit of background on the uh, on the exhibit. She goes, listen, I'm gonna leave you here. Um, the exhibit doesn't open for another thirty minutes, so feel free to browse. And wow. we're literally, like, in there while, like, the security guards are still, like, you know, getting ready for the day. And But, we're like, we're, dude, I'm in there. And by the time the first batch of people are allowed in, like, my family and I are walking out. And it was just funny because you could see, like, especially, like, some of, like, the Western um, tourists who were, like, got in early and bought, like, these tickets so that they got their times in. We were, they were like, oh, we thought we were going to be the first ones in. And I was like, nah, nah, bro. Like, there's always someone higher than you. Um, were there people in before you? Was no. someone higher than you? Ah, well, you were the highest of them no. all. I mean, there were some other people in there with us. But um, it's, it, my mom was like, dude, this is like other people who know people who like somehow got their people in. It's like we just happened to know like top dog. Yeah. And I was like, all right, good for me. Good enough for me. Um, it was kind of bogus. Uh, the... Uh, exhibit but i'm just happy i saw it you know <laughs> and didn't have to stand in line all day for it like eh, it was yeah the exhibit was mad but the the whole the whole, the fact that you were able to just bypass what everyone else was trying to see yeah the line, the like, line that everyone else was trying to get through so they can see what yeah. you're seeing and by the time we left like the line had wrapped in and around the uh the museum so it's just like no like no i'm, I'm done here let's, let's bounce yeah um, it was more cool to see like the Chinese history stuff, like the invention of money, um, seeing like the iteration of coins from like three thousand years ago or whatever it was, to like to now was really cool. Or like seeing like Chinese calligraphy, um, and seeing how there was like different movements and what's considered like the best calligraphers of their time, and seeing like those examples was really cool. Like stuff that they see all the time that we never get to see is cool. So it's like the inverse relationship, you know? It's, I thought it was really cool because no one was in, like all of the Chinese people were lining up for the British Museum exhibit and all of the Western, like foreign people were like going to all the Chinese exhibits, which makes sense. Yeah. It's like what you have access to. Right. Um, 
yeah, the food the food was incredible. Uh, we always eat really well. Um, there's this concept in China of like bao fang, which is it's it's meant like an all inclusive room. Usually, you get to reserve one of these rooms if you have if you spend the minimum amount. So what it does is you literally close the door. You most of the some some of them you can still smoke in, but you basically get like your dedicated staff. Some of them have their own bathroom. Um, you're basically dining away from everyone else. So we did that a lot because we just had really large parties, um, and I mean you saw the photos on my Instagram. It was just like Chinese cuisine and and dining tradition is all family style. So you, there's usually, I mean, I don't think there's ever not, like there's always a lazy Susan in the middle. And there's sort of three steps to a, a course. There's the cold dishes, there's the main dishes, and then there's dessert. And cold dishes are crazy because sometimes you'll start with like cold vegetables and all that stuff. But a lot of the times it's like cold meat dishes. Um, so it's really nice to eat stuff that you just don't get access to. In America, you know, right. Um, I'm just sort of like flipping through my mind here of like really good stuff that I ate. Like anything that's like stomach or intestine or like ear, like like stuff that you would never see on a table. I mean, you would see it in Chinese restaurants, but like you usually see a lot of like beef uh, tripe related stuff. But I was able to eat like sheep and lamb, which is which was and goat, which was fun. Um, there was a lunch that I had where the whole soup was like a clear broth, but they had like every like innard part of the goat that I just absolutely beasted and feasted on because it was so good. Like I hadn't had tripe from a goat before, which is really nice. Um, a little gamey, but that's I, I kind of like that. Um, there was uh, this one restaurant that we went to called Dadong, which is coming to New York actually, and they're really fa- they're a Michelin star restaurant out there known for their duck, their Beijing duck. And they just slice it like paper thin. Um, and they cut up these like really tiny pieces of cucumber and honeydew melon that you can put into the wrap. It's incredible. Um, like we were just, we were so fortunate to eat incredibly well. That's always something that we're able to do. Um, but the breakfasts were also fun because the breakfasts were where we went to where the locals go. So we the across the street from our hotel there was like a twenty four hour diner, and you'd go in you get like all right let me get like two steamers full of soup dumplings, let me get like a bowl of warm uh, sweet soy milk, um, which is not obviously the soy milk that you would drink out here. It's like they actually create this like they make the soy milk in the back. Um, after they, so you, what you do is you basically pulverize, um, and grind up soybeans and then you boil it and then the milk comes out, um, into like a really nice, uh, basically soy milk. I mean, you've had soy milk before, um, but it's, it comes in a bowl and it's warm. Like, I don't know if you've had warm soy milk before, Nah. but warm, you can either, you can either have it bland, a little salty or a little sweet, um, and we like it sweet because it's like a breakfast thing. It's like a breakfast yeah. uh, drink that you have with like this fried dough. And then you also have like fried soup dumplings and like little wontons. And the whole thing would come out to like 30 bucks, but you'd have a table full of food. Because um, the conversion is like one US dollar is like six and a half Chinese dollars. Um, 
They're not called Chinese dollars. They're called yuan. Uh, <laughs> we'll, call them, we'll call them Chinese dollars. They're like Disney dollars, right? <laughs> I literally was like looking at some of these prices. Like, dude, I got to trade these like Disney dollars because this is so cheap. Yeah. Um, like one day my sister and I, we went out on our own and we got breakfast and it was like $4. But like we each had like so much food to eat. It was, it was incredible. Um, and then another place we went to is like where uh, they're famous for their soup dumplings. Um, legend has it that's where they were invented. So we did that. We also went to a place where we got like they're known for their uh, blood soup. Um, so, you know, like vermicelli noodles, you know, that the, the clear noodle, yeah, the yeah, clear yeah. Asian noodle. So what they do is they make a clear broth with that as the base, some fresh onions, and then they the blood and there's blood in it. The blood, the way the blood comes out is they're like pieces of tofu. Um, the way that I mean, you've had blood soup before, right? I like, haven't. You've no. had blood. So, like when you slaughter an animal, you have to eat like basically every part of it, right? The way you you bleed it is you collect all the blood. Um, you basically bleed the whole thing, and once all the blood's there, you throw in a ton of salt, and then the blood coagulates into tofu. Interesting. Into a tofu-like consistency. Yeah. Let's put it that way. And then you just dice that up, and it's like a little salty, uh, a little bit of gamey flavor, but it's so good. Um, do you eat tofu? Uh, yeah, on occasion. Like, my question is, does the tofu texture freak you out? Oh, uh, no. So then you're fine. Then you can eat blood. Um, it's not like it's uh, a crazy, like, iron-like flavor. It's just tofu. Like, imagine tofu itself, but then you turned it like, like a like a what color would it be like a dark brownish red and then you eat it like it's not a big deal um there's like other things that i ate that were really good like freshwater snails were incredible freshwater prawns um a ton of lobsters and crabs um oh that one restaurant i went to uh i think it was like the second night uh my mom was meeting up with her friend and we went to this place where you we ate russian snow crabs uh, I think I posted photos of that. Um, we basically selected a crab at the beginning, and they take, come out, they take it out of the tank, and it's a 10-pound crab. Jeez. It's like, you know, the deadliest catch, yeah. like those Alaskan king crab. It's basically one of those on the Russian side. Wow. And for the rest of the meal, they're basically taking 10 pounds worth of crab meat and giving you every part of it. So we got, like, grilled avocado stuffed with crab meat, which is phenomenal. Um, they basically cook all the, the, they steam all the legs for you and they open up the, they basically slice open the legs. So all you gotta do is like pry it open. There's like very little work you have to do on your end. Um, there's also like a soup that they give you. There's, uh, the, one of the most decadent things I've eaten, which is, so, you know, you know what porridge is, right? Yeah. So in Chinese culture, it's called kanji. Uh, I mean, well, that's a Cantonese version of it. But basically, it's like really soupy rice, right? And you can do it a, mi- a million different ways. You can do like they, you can do it with millet. They call it small grain kanji. Um, you do it with regular rice, and most of the times, like if you're a kid, you can actually throw some sugar in it, and it becomes like a like a sugary porridge, which kids will just eat up in no time. That's how I remember like some of my first. Bowls of kanji were just like you literally just put in some sugar, and it's just like, oh my god, this whole thing is so good. Yeah. 
Uh, but as you grow up, you're like, all right, then you start putting like nothing in it. And then you start eating like um, salted vegetables and, and like dried meats and all that stuff with it. And then sometimes you can make kanji with like duck eggs in it and like uh, diced pork and, and fresh onion. And there's a billion ways to eat it. But the way this restaurant did it was they made the kanji with the row of the crab. So it came out like golden yellow. And it was, like, probably some of the richest flavor I've ever had. Like, I don't think I can ever eat another kanji and not think about that kanji. <laughs> like, that's that's the kanji you think about. That's the kanji you dream about. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, other things that I've eaten. Because it was just, like, nonstop. It's, uh, every it day. sounds like the food was the main thing. I mean, the food... So, outside of family, right? Because the, the whole purpose of the trip was to see my grandfather on my mom's side right and my uh grandmother on my dad's side um so both my grandparents and my mom's side are still alive uh only my grandmother is uh still with us on my dad's side and they're just getting really old and they're not in the best shape uh so when we went like my grandfather has um has dementia like i think mm. dementia is the more advanced version of alzheimer's right i'm not sure how they go but i know they're similar in terms of memory and such so yeah so my grandfather had a stroke when he was in america it was like a freak stroke he was like a super healthy dude and one day he had a weird stroke because he was like sitting weirdly while he was reading the newspaper and they think that he just like cut off circulation to his brain wow uh or like a part of his body for too long like because he was just sitting on the ground like in like a he normally sits like in a chair and like all was well and good and then one day he just like sat on the ground like in a weird position reading the newspaper for too long and then like he had a stroke and the stroke just sort of led to the led to him getting alzheimer's and dementia and it's been tragic because me and him like he raised us my sister and i him and my grandmother they raised us um when we were young and they when they would whenever they would visit because my mom and dad were always really busy so they were like constant uh figures in my life and throughout the years, post to the stroke, just seeing him slowly start to forget who I am. And then when I saw him, when I went to, to China, like, A, he's bedridden, uh, which is, like, not real until you see it. Because he used to be, like, taller than me and, like, like a really, still, like, a strong dude, you know? Yeah. Like, he was in the Air Force uh, during the Korean War as a mechanic, and he was one of, always one of the smartest guys, and... Now you see him like, all right, well, he's bedridden. And because he's bedridden, like, his muscles have atrophied. So he's just skin and bones at this point. And he's, I mean, my my uh, my family and, like, my family friends are like, well, he's got the mind of a three-year-old. Like, Jeez. and what's interesting is, like, similar to how I made the comment earlier about, like, Ch Shanghai women have great skin because it's so human. They're saying, like, their reasoning for why he got this disease over any other diseases. Well, he was always the smartest guy growing up, right? Like, in school, he was the smartest. In the Air Force, he was the smartest. After the Air Force, he was the smartest. And that's a lot of burden to have on somebody, like always being the smartest guy and taking care of everybody. They're saying, this is God's way of saying, you don't have to worry about anything anymore. We'll transfer all of that weight to everybody else. So that he, all he needs to do is just be a kid, like a, basically be a baby and worry about nothing. Um, because, you know, the people that suffer around, like, somebody with dementia and Alzheimer's aren't the people that have it. It's the support system around them. 
So I thought that was a very interesting framing of the situation, you know, because my grandmother takes care of him every day, feeds him. And we also have a, uh, we hired one of her like upstairs neighbors um, to to help her because, you know, my, my grandmother's in her 70s, my grandfather's in her 80s, the neighbors in her 60s. Like, these are old people taking care of old people, you know, it's not easy. So it it was just very interesting. Uh, my aunt, and uncle, they're there all the time. Uh, we cover them financially. Like it's like it's great. It's a really like my grandfather will be taken care of. And when we broach the you know because like in the West out here, like there's this thought of like, well, when your parents or your grandparents get really old, it's time to put them in a home or hospice care, yeah, right? Right. But like that's really frowned upon in Chinese society because it's the duty of the family on the younger family to take care of the parents. Uh, especially if you're the son of the family, like you take care of your family until the end. And there's like a pretty long, I don't want to say long, but there's like been a lot of abuse documented in like hospice and, uh, and retirement homes out in China. Um, like very publicly, like, the one that last that my grandmother brought up was like, you know, what they do is they, they put you in a pen and they hose you down like an animal um, when they when they shower you. Like, they basically just, like, they throw soap on you. They get a garden hose and they and they, they rinse you down with cold water. It's like, well, you wouldn't want that for someone in your family. Of course not. And it doesn't matter how much you pay. Like, once that idea is, like, planted in your brain, it's like, well, all of them are like that. Right. And then it's hard to find outside help because there's, like, this whole thing of, like, there's a mass migration to large cities in China and people who are migrating to the city are like destitute poor and there's like widespread accounts of – so there's like this uh, – there's this culture where if you hire somebody to take care of your your old and elderly, if they pass away, you still pay them for the next month. Um, I don't know what that courtesy is known as but it's just like an established business practice, right? There's a lot of stories of like people killing old people. Just so they can collect more checks wow. faster. And dude, people are afraid of China, but like China's like a lawless land. Um, so like, we'll get to that later. I'm, I'm, there's a lot of cultural shit that I learned this time that I, I, I love to share with you. So it's like, all right, well then you can't hire people outside of Shanghai because you can't trust them because the idea is if you're from Shanghai, you're of a certain class. Like, and by class I mean like make and model mentally, and you just understand how to like. I guess how to just act in society. That's these aren't my words. These are all the people's words that I picked up on. So the good news is we found this neighbor who's like the neighborhood caretaker. She, she takes care of like the kids in the neighborhood in the morning. She cooks for another family for lunch, and then she takes care of my grandfather in the afternoon and evening. And it's great because like my grandfather actually has a relationship with this woman now because she's there all the time. My grandfather only really knows two people in this world. It's this neighbor and my grandmother. Um, and like when I showed up, like he was like kind of hesitant because he goes like, "Dude, I don't know who you are. You better, you better get ready." Um, but because we were there like every day, it was nice that at the end he warmed up to me and he like shook my hand and like. I don't want to say he re recognized who I was, but he was at least more comfortable with my presence. At the end of the trip, does that make sense? It does. That's hard though. That's really hard. Yeah, because like. I mean, there was times where, like, I have to help pick him up because normally he's laying down. And then when we feed him and, you know, we, if we have to check to see if he's still clean, like, you know, I'll, we'll pick him up. And then when we walk him to the bathroom, like, you know, he's he weighs nothing. 
you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was nice that the neighbors also from Shanghai. So it's like, we well, can trust people from there because, oh, another thing is not only are they killing old people, but they're like flat out robbing you. So like, if you just hire somebody, right, for to take care of your, your elderly and like you didn't happen to live in that apartment, there's not a lot of stories of them basically casing your joint. And then like a week or two later, you come and visit and like, there's nothing left. Like they took literally everything. So it's it's kind of nuts, dude. Yeah. And like once you tell me that, it's like yeah, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna throw him into a an old person like an elderly facility. It's just that's just out of the question. And thankfully and luckily, there's a strong support network of people and caretakers that we can rely upon, so that that isn't the case. That's good. Yeah. Um, all my um, what's it called? So I was also nice to see like my aunt and uncle. Um, because I haven't seen them in years. My aunt works for like one of the the newspapers as a proofreading editor, and she's been there for decades. And my uncle is actually like a big time Hollywood producer out there. Um, he does a lot of the TV uh, like programs and shows, and it's crazy because he dressed like he he dressed so funny. It's the last time we saw him. He like was really big into like. Uh, screen shirts like graphic tees and the one that i remember him was like he had a big mickey mouse shirt that he loved um but this time around he's got like a lot of like aggressive like not sequin but like shiny shirts like shirts that literally sparkle um and he's got like this big purse which is phenomenal because like men out there carry man bags and man purses right which is always something interesting because like a guy will walk around with this like tucked under his arm or like clutch like it's basically like a like a men's clutch. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, like, dude, if we could do that out here, can you imagine all the stuff that you wouldn't need to carry in your pockets anymore? People's backs would, they would, people would, like, their butts wouldn't be hurting from having their massive your butts, wallets your in, back. Their, in their, uh, their back pocket. I'm still like, shocked have, at how large my brother, my little brother, my, my dad's wallets are. They have way too much in there. And I'm like, how do you, yeah. how do you sit on that? Yeah. Like, you also, <laughs> so like, I don't like carrying a all of my credit cards on me. Yeah. Uh, and B like all this cash and receipts. Like you're not. I don't look at my receipts after I do the cursory check because it's nope. like mobile banking is a thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? I toss like, that shit like every, instantly. I'm not. Yeah, every I'm not a day, person who returns things very often. I don't, yeah. I don't and if you return things, you can do it online. <laughs> right. Yeah. Every day I leave my house, I leave with my keys, my phone, my wallet. My headphones, like, there's a lot of stuff in my pockets. And, like, you you also ruin your pants when you stretch them out that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it'd be nice if we lived in a society that allowed me to put my phone and my wallet and my headphones and my keys in, like, a clutch. And I just walked around with it. Like, it wasn't a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's weird. Um, it, it is, it's definitely a weird thing. Yeah, but, like, if you started walking around with a clutch, you'd be like, uh... What are you doing? Yeah. It's like, well, a billion people live this way. It's like, well, not the billion that I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, no, you're right about that. You're right about that. Um, but uh, they're they're very well off, my aunt and uncle, because, like I said, he's a big-time producer and director, uh, and they've owned the apartment for years. So they, like, they live their life like the 1% would live their life, or how I perceive them to live. Yeah. Uh, or rather how I perceive the 1% to live. 
um, because they don't have a lot of costs in their lifestyle. It's just a lot of uh, they have a lot of disposable income, and because they don't have kids, they've always treated my sister and I as like their surrogate kids, and they've always nice. Uh, they've always spoiled us. It's incredible. Um, so we know when we go out there and we're like, well, we'll go to like these really fancy malls and China has a very big mall culture. Um, sort of like Dubai and other places where, you know, all major avenues of shopping are basically clustered together into malls. And whenever we go in with them, it's you got to be careful not to touch anything because the second you touch something, they're like, you want it? We'll buy it. Um, and I was like, nah, like I don't really need anything right now. You know what I mean? And like, I'm not really comfortable like asking for like exorbitant stuff. Not that I would, but you know, like if we're walking to these really, really ni- like it's like Reza, you know the nice part of the King of Prussia Mall? Yeah. That's like the middle to low end part of a lot of these Chinese malls. Just cause <laughs> like just cause like the Chinese boom right now is so crazy that the money flowing into China is just it's like astronomical, right? It's crazy. And then you would multiply that like small percentage of the Chinese middle class and upper class growing, which is still a small percent because like I think it's something like over 80% of China still lives on under $2 a day. Wow. Um, yeah. So like we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But like the Western fears of China are slightly overblown, uh, especially about that, this North Korea stuff that I can get into because I got to hear some of like some important people talk about their views on that. Yeah, that's interesting actually. Yeah, because like out here, we'll get to that in a minute. Sorry. Um, so if you get, you have like a small middle class or upper class growing, but you multiply that by one point three billion people, it's like it's going to still be larger than any other country, right? So like, there's so many crazy, crazy stores and malls, and be like, holy crap! Like I didn't know this store was like mall worthy. Like I always thought these were going to be like bespoke little shops. We're talking like watch stores that are selling watches in the uh, in the glass for like a hundred thousand dollars. Wow! And we're like, oh yeah, you just people, you got a ton of people in there like looking at watches. Like, all right, I get it. Not that it's I would like touch the, that it's like watch. The Apple store. <laughs> it's kind of like the Apple Store. Um, but you know, my uh, because it was my sister's birthday, they actually bought my sister some jewelry, which she really appreciated. They and because I like, like I didn't. We walk through some stores, and like, do you see anything you like? And like, maybe, but I'm also not looking for you to drop like potentially thousands of dollars on me. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird because I also a don't wear that stuff all the time, and b I kind of want to buy that for myself. Yeah, of course. Uh, but they bought me a really nice uh, winter running jacket uh, because I kept talking about how much I run. So it's like a nice athletic like mix between like an athletic winter jacket and like a motorcycle jacket. Um, it's got like neoprene in it. It's got a lot of like layers that I can wear. So it'll be a nice like athletic jacket where if I'm either running errands or I'm, I'm out and about in the city and I don't want to wear like a, like a nicer coat, you know, for that day, yeah. I can wear this and it's just, it's phenomenal. It's called Descendant. It's like a Japanese brand or whatever, but it was like a $300 jacket. And I was like, this is incredible. I, re- I'm, I was so appreciative and it looked really good on me. So I was like, this is, this is phenomenal. Um, Oh, and the last night we were with them, as I closed this part off, we uh, they're like, listen, we want to take you to a place where you can get a view of Shanghai that you might not be able to see all the time. I was like, all right, great. So we hop into a car, and um, the uh, we we stop at literally the like fanciest mall in Shanghai. It's called the IFC. 
Uh, it's at the base of the Grand Hyatt Hotel. So we take the elevator up to the bar, right? And the last time we were there, she took me to she took my sister and I to a bar on like the ninety eighth floor, uh, which just should blow your mind for a second because it's a bar on the ninety eighth floor. Yeah, that's what I was. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, the the Park Hyatt, uh, you know where I love uh, to stay. Uh, the Shanghai uh, property is actually one of their more expensive ones, uh, but there's like a like a nice bar that has three hundred sixty degree views of the city. Um, this one has. 360 degree views of the city on the 58th floor but the way it's positioned it's like there's nothing in front of it so the 98th uh, floor bar is behind this building so you get like a higher view but this one like you're much closer so that video that i posted yeah of shanghai was in the tables cordon off port part of the bar so we get there and they're like yo like is there a table by the window and like nah like listen like we're at capacity right now, but if you spend like X amount of dollars, we can get a table. And my uncle's like, "Yeah, sure." Like, are there any good tables left? And she goes, "Yeah, but just so we're clear, like, you got to spend this minimum amount, right?" My uncle goes, "You don't need to repeat yourself. You need to answer my question, which is, are there good tables?" Like that what directness a, what is a, what crazy, a right? And they go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." There's like no one out there. That's such a like, badass right. statement. <laughs> You don't, you don't need to repeat yourself. I need you to answer you my answer. question. <laughs> yeah. So um, we they usher us through uh, everyone. There's, this is also the first time in like nine days that I've seen like a concentration of white people. Uh, so I'm like, oh, these are all the white people are? Um, and they're like all – there's like a security guard uh, by the VIP section. And they're like, yeah, like escort these people through. And dude, Reza, there's nobody else there. But me, my sister, my aunt, and my uncle, he pulls out a cigar. Uh, we get a bottle of champagne and a bottle of, like, Macallan 18. And they're like, yeah, like, enjoy the view. And they're like, what you're really paying for is the view, but we like to come here a lot. So um, we wanted to show you guys a different, you know, view of Shanghai that you might not normally get. And it was just crazy because, like, when we walk through, like, all these people, heads turn, like, oh, who are these people? And it's like, yeah, is this what it feels like to be in the VIP? But uh, it was great. Um, had a little bit of champagne to celebrate my sister's birthday. And then we actually took the bottle home with us, the Macallan 18, because we didn't even touch it. <laughs> which is an interesting thing, because out here, you can't be taking bottles home from right. the club. But out there, I was like, yeah, do you want to take this bottle home? Like, go for it. You paid for it. <laughs> um, so that was sort of the experience with them. Uh, like, you know, we also found out that my uncle one day before this, he goes, dude, I want to, like, after a lunch that we had, He's like, yeah, I want to take you guys to my my grandfather's place because, you know, we, we haven't uh, – I've never met him before. And he goes – and I go, like, yeah, let's do it. He goes, yeah, you know, they turned his apartment into a museum. And I go, wait, what? He goes, no, don't worry about it. I'll tell you more when we get there. Um, turns out my uncle's grandfather is one of China's most prolific writers. That's crazy. And I was like, he goes, yeah, like, um, and there's a whole wall of, like, his, like, because he used to write letters to everybody, and they would discuss poetry and all that, and he was very close friends with all of the other prolific writers through the ages. And I'm just looking at all of these names, and you see the people's reactions, like, oh, my God, like, I read him in school, and I read that in school, I read your uncle's grandfather books in school, and there's, like, all of these uh, tour groups behind us of kids, like, oh, my God, like, we're reading that book, we're reading this book, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, 
this must be like him writing letters to like Steinbeck and Salinger yeah. and Fitzgerald and like you know like and Capote like the writers of our time he's like personal friends with. And I was like, this is crazy. Like he, so the story goes like, you know, he grew up really poor, only went to school the second grade, taught himself how to read beyond that by reading the local newspaper. He ended up becoming that newspaper's editor later. And he was still cranking down newspapers when the Japanese were invading and bombing that particular building. Um, he got arrested twice by the Japanese. Um, and then like he started writing about like the changes in China through the years right so he's one of china's just like i said most most famous writers uh most prolific writers and he actually told me my uncle told me like the reason why he's named the way he is was because his grandfather gave him his name and it's like you know he said he it's because of three different things and like it was just really nice to feel that connection to history what was nuts was when we were in the um in the museum he's like he overheard one of the uh tour guide saying like you know he had kids with his fifth wife and my uncle literally stopped him stopped the lady goes first of all you gotta stop lying to people all right (laughs) he didn't have any kids with his fifth wife and she goes no i'm pretty sure i'm right and he goes nah 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 and he pointed and at a photo on the wall wow he goes that's me in that photo let me tell you how the family tree worked it was, it was so incredible, dude. To just to stand there and be like, holy, like, he just, he just dumped on this woman. Yeah. Listen, like, he had this many kids with this wife and this many kids with that wife and he had no kids with the fifth. It was just, it was incredible just to stand there and be like, yo, like, I'm from America and I don't really know anything and I'm just, like, finding out little bits about my family. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, it's just, like, the culture... The culture was just such an incredible thing to to come upon. Like, so one of the dinners that we had, where it was like my mom's friends, and one of them's like this big shot, like businessman, right? He's basically like been in charge of like Shanghai's development as a city, and he's decided like which companies come in and out uh, internationally. Uh, so this man's been, this man's been like had that power for a long time, right? And then he brought a friend from the Chinese State Department who, whenever he comes to America, like when he flies into Washington, he gets like a full police escort. So we're hearing these people talk about like North Korea and all this stuff. It's it's funny because he goes, the State Department guy goes, uh, you know, in the news, like Rex Tillerson will you know, be really angry about something and then we'll get really angry about something. But then like, behind closed doors, we've been friends for a long time. Like, we've known each other for a long time. We just know you gotta, it's like a circus. You just gotta make sure the show keeps going. Which I thought was, I was like, uh, like to get this kind of access, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like at a, at a private dinner where people are just like bullshitting with each other. Like you can't, you can't get this on CNN. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You get, you get what they give you. And that's what we're reacting to. But I, I get, the, I got to peek behind the the curtain for a little bit. And he goes, "I right, listen, we because they were talking about North Korea, and like, listen, China messed up in like '57, right, when the Korean War was going on. Why? Because Mao was trying to impress Stalin. Because Mao was like, all right, you know, the the Chinese Civil War ended in '49, uh, and Mao came to power, and he 
like Stalin was the big man on the block, and so Mao wanted to impress Stalin. Stalin's like, yo, you can't have America in North, like in the in the Korean Peninsula, just fighting and you not doing nothing. Mao's like, nah, but like we're good. Like we don't want to do nothing. This is obviously me paraphrasing, because uh, that's not how they talked. <laughs> um, and what I didn't know was North Korea was in the sphere of influence uh, under the Soviet Union because the Soviet Union was a command economy, right? So what that meant was Stalin planned what all the other countries either manufactured or growed, and the Soviet Union would just give you everything else. So it's like, Reza, if you're in charge of North Korea, all I need you to do is grow potatoes. You don't have to worry about any other industry. We got you. We'll protect you. We got you. But then, like, Stalin was, like, not feeling North Korea anymore because there was, like, a falling out. And then, so, Kim Il-sung, the uh, the grandfather of uh, Kim Jong-un right now, was, like, he, he went to China. He went to Mao hat in hand. I was like, listen, like, we don't, like they don't we're not we're not good with them no more we want to be good with you can you treat us the way stalin treated us which was you tell us what to do and we'll follow orders and you just give us everything else but mal was like nah bro because we got everything we need right like we don't need you to grow anything that we don't have right so kim il-sung was like all right you're gonna you're gonna turn me away when i need you the most so china and north korea are not buddy buddy because North Korea doesn't trust China because they think that we, like, betrayed them. But China was always like, dude, we never really wanted to be friends with you. But, like, we are also your largest export partner, export-import partner. So, like, it's like the devil you know, right? So then uh, if we go back to the Korean War, like, America's fighting all the way up. And America was doing like real well in the Korean War early, right? Like they were just like victory after victory and North Koreans are like fighting with hunting rifles and they're running out of stuff. So they fight to the Yalu River, which is the border, like a, a geographical border between China and uh, North Korea. Okay. And Stalin's like, you really gonna let them like fight literally to your front door? Mao's like, Mao secretly didn't want to do anything. So Mao's like, uh, yeah, as long as they're not in my country, we good, right? And then America started, like, bombing the bridges that connect China with uh. North Korea. Mao secretly is like, yo, this is awesome because now I don't have a way to get to North Korea. But then Stalin's like, dude, you're going to let the Americans stunt on you like this by blowing up your bridges. And then Mao's like, shit, like, because we're, like, China, the communist China was, like, a young country, right? So you can't just get bullied like right out the gate right so like oh man i guess we gotta do something so america china, china don't play sending, china don't play that game right so china ended up sending one hundred and fifty thousand troops like surging across the border because if china has ever had anything it's people right so china didn't have any like advanced arms or stalin goes listen you send the people we send the arms so all of a sudden like america's getting beat back and again beat back hard and America's radioing back to uh, radioing back to HQ like, yo, I don't think we're fighting North Koreans anymore. <laughs> and then Washington's like, nah, bro, like, there's no way China's in this. And then that's why MacArthur was like, yo, we need to nuke Beijing because if we can just knock them out the fight, we don't have to worry about this no more. But then like, there's no way you can just like nuke a communist country like that because then you start a nuclear war basically with Soviet Union. Yeah, you just um, don't go start nuking people. Right, and that's like the whole thing about like when what Truman um, was it Truman or was it somebody else um, basically like fired MacArthur 
Um, that was like the big thing about like the civilian still runs the military, and you got to respect that. Anyways, so Soviet Union is like giving everyone AK-47s, right? And so you got 150,000 Chinese people with AK-47s just running towards South Korea. And so they're like, oh shit, like we can't, this is not sustainable. And China almost beats the Americans uh, where they literally almost fought them off the peninsula um, until the Americans counterattacked. Uh, and then there's the 40th parallel, right? Like, it's the 50th, it's the 50th parallel. And so that's the uneasy piece. And then if you ask Chinese people, it's like, well, we fought you, we fought you, quote unquote, heavy quotes, fought the Americans again in Vietnam to a truce. So the two wars where China and America have fought head on have been, have come to a stalemate. Like there's no winning, right? So China goes like, so these people are saying like, all right, so China fucked up then because they just should never, they should have just never like tried to improve. Uh, tried to impress Stalin because Mao and Stalin end up having a falling out later. Um, so they're saying like we lost like hundreds of thousands of men and you know we basically made enemies of North Korea because North Korea sold the story that all these Chinese soldiers were their soldiers. So North Koreans to this day don't know that China was the one that uh, that basically saved their ass. They think they did it, right? Because that's how the government's selling it, right? Um, but China's like, we lost all these people. North Korea and I, we're still not, we're still not on good, good grounds. So they're saying that, like, right now, like, we got Russia that we got to contend with because Russia and China aren't technically allies. They're just, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I'm using enemy really liberally here, but they're saying that like we can't have. The U.S., like, we can't have South Korea take over North Korea. Because if South Korea takes over North Korea, that means the United States is on China's border. And what they're afraid of is, like, the instability of the American government and who's leading the government. Because if you have someone like Obama versus someone like Trump versus someone like Bush versus someone like Clinton, like, the foreign policy can radically shift, like, what, in eight years? Yeah. And so that instability makes China nervous. So it was just interesting to hear that aspect of like, because out here you're like, yo, like why can't China keep North Korea in line? But then you realize like, oh, well, that's because they're not friends. And they haven't been friends for like half the last century. So of course they're not going to listen to China. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just really interesting to hear that because, you know, CNN will have you believe that like China's just keeping this failed state propped up. I thought that was very interesting. It's cr- yeah, it's 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 very interesting because again, like you said, this is not you don't see this on CNN, but it's also because you're not seeing this, you're not getting the other perspective, the other side's point of view, and to get it so so raw, I think is is the key thing because no one's got their guard up. You know, you're just getting the truth. Yeah, it's cool. Um, it's very cool. What's it called? Uh, the the last thing I'll touch on about culture is the fun, funny dynamic that I found out. So in a lot of these dinners, they're like, dude, Sandy, like, are you thinking about moving back? There's a lot of jobs. There's a lot of Western companies out here. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And all the guys, all like these old guys are like, dude, you got to move back to China for this one reason and one reason alone, the women. <laughs> I know. And I go, all right. I go, all right, tell me about, tell me about it. What's going on? He goes, dude, because of like... 
whatever's whatever happened like there are millions of more women than there are men right now in like the we'll say the 18 to 35 year range which means that for the first time in china's history like the women are like the ones that you are like fighting over each other to pick like their their partner now if you think about it if there's like millions if there's if men are at a deficit then within there like if you're like even semi like competent and like have a good job and like are like not you don't look like ass like <laughs> like you got women like that'll fight over you i was like really They're like yeah, yeah like people are saying like dude women right now are like realizing that if they don't go after what they want from a partner perspective they're gonna live and regret that for the rest of their life and i was like all right first of all rest of their life a little aggressive like no no, no we're, not, we're not kidding dude there's millions more women right now so you can have your pick of the litter. And I was like, and they didn't tell me this. Like, I didn't take this seriously, slash, we didn't really cover stuff like this until, like, the the second to last day I was there, right? So I'm like, all right. So when I went home, I turned on Tinder, and I was like, let me just see what's going on. Let me just, let me just gut check this, right? And so I, resu- now listen, when I Tinder out here, I'm not matching every time I swipe right, right? Because in America, in the West, like, you, like, the... I think the hierarchy goes like you go, you go white people, and then you go like everybody else. All right, but like depending on what sort of race you are, you you trend lower, you trend higher, whatever. But like white people, white people are so dominating the American dating game, right? But in China, dude, let me tell you, any time I swiped right, I got a match, and I was like, Reza, is this what a hot girl must feel like in America? Because dude, there was like it was probably like seventy percent matching. Anytime I swipe right, That's it crazy. was incredible. So like, it just felt like so funny because like, anytime I swipe right, it's a match. Then like, I send a message, swipe, 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 swipe right, it's a match. I was like, oh my god, this is real. <laughs> and then like, the women would be like, hey, you know, because uh, when I did it, it was like a like a Saturday night, like hey, we're out, where are you? Like you seem close, you seem cool, let's hang. And I was like, uh, what? Like, am I being resonant? Am I being courted right now? Because I love this feeling. I need to move back. Um, it was just, it was so crazy. It was just so funny that like the amount of Tinder matches that I got in China were incredible. I got to move back. I think I'm moving back. I want to move back right now. Would you actually move back? No. (laughs) Hell no. Hell no. (laughs) Uh, I'll tell you why. It's, it's, uh, it's like my lack of the language barrier, right? Because I can speak, but I can't read or write as well. So that really limits my ability. Um, and I like, I'm like kind of used to living in America, dude. You know what I mean? Like when my whole life's out here, what I'm going to do is just up and move to the other side of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also not used to watching uh, NFL Sunday at 1 a.m., 4 a.m. and 7.30 a.m. <laughs> were you watching when you were out there? Oh, yeah. Um, I would stream the game on my phone and I would just like pass in and out of consciousness. Wow. Uh, you are so committed. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I love my football. But yeah, overall, it was a great trip. Oh, last thing. Last thing. The flight back. So you know how good the flight was on the way out there? Yeah. Well, Karma felt like they needed to even the scales because when I got back, my sister and I were sitting like we each had a window seat. So I was sitting in front of her. And then we both supposedly 24 hours before check-in said that we both had our own row. And so we get there. I'm feeling all confident. I'm like, man, sp- spreading oh, already. No. And then this 
family with two three-year-olds walks by. The mom looks at her ticket, looks at my row, looks at her <laughs> ticket, and goes, this is us. And I was like, you fucking what now? <laughs> so like, uh, our row on the side of the plane is like, is that a, is a three-seater, right? So in the row in front of me, there's a man that's in the, uh, in the window seat, but like the dad took the aisle, the kid in the middle. The mom is in my row and the kid in the middle. But oh, these two kids needed to be next to each other the entire flight. So they like shared headphones and they were watching like these movies and they would be like giggling the entire time. I'm trying to fucking sleep, bro. And when they wanted to sleep, like the dad was like, oh, does one of you want to sleep up here? And they're like, no, we want to sleep with mom. And the way that worked was they slept with their head in her uh, in their mom's lap, but they're just tall enough where they kept kicking me, dude. They kept kicking me. And I'm already that like- That is insane. I'm already moved over as much as I can to the window. And so anytime they kick me, I'd like wake up and then like the mom was sort of like say like I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry, and like at the end of the flight when we're landing and taxiing she like taps me on the shoulder, and she goes hey listen I really am sorry about this flight I really apologize, and I said like listen, what do you want me to say? I mean I didn't say that but in my mind I was like what do you want me to say I just, I I told her in Chinese like listen, I understand it's not easy on you they're young kids it's fine. And she was like, really, she said, I'm really appreciative of your understanding, yada, yada. But like, Reza, I could not wait to get off of that plane. I can imagine. <laughs> it was a horrific experience. Um, I mean, it's not as, I mean, like, it's a different kind of bad. Like, when we flew back from Rio, like, that was a bad experience, right? Because there was no entertainment. There was, like, the AC was broken, and it was, like, on full Arctic blast. And, like, the food was <laughs> terrible. And, like... You know, like the, the the TVs in the aisle were like on but not on, so you could hear the static like the entire flight. Like it was, this was a different kind of bad. This was a different level of hell. I would put it that way. Yeah, but overall, it was a phenomenal trip. Um, ate ate really well. I shared all those memories with everyone out west. Like it was, uh, it was fun. Yeah, well, I'm happy you had fun. a good time. I'm happy it was good overall. That's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I'm just super happy to be back. Uh, the jet lag is real. I'm waking up every day at like four o'clock in the morning. Um, that's crazy. It's not easy. It, it, it ain't easy. It ain't easy. It ain't easy being cheesy. I know. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to drive this on for too much longer. That's really, uh, like the highlights that I wanted to cover. Yeah. I'm glad I finally got to hear them because, uh, I've been, I've been looking forward to hearing about the trip for some time. Uh, it sounds it sounds like you know there was a lot of like obviously the great food, but just kind of a lot of like cool perspective I guess. Like I I I feel I always feel like I I almost feel like you know when I was younger my parents would take us on trips and stuff see like museums see see other countries you don't appreciate it like you don't really understand it and it's only when you're when you're an adult and you can kind of see everything you know with what what i imagine is kind of just no no filter really and just to truly understand and appreciate and enjoy your conversations that you can have with the other adults and uh even just to enjoy the experiences overall like even if you weren't interested in the art just be like hey i was able to i was able to like to bypass this massive line that everyone's yeah. waiting in and yeah. it's just because we know people and to and to right. enjoy yourself and the and the time there just by that alone is just cool it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun, and I, so like I always, always, I always used to be really hesitant about going to China because like it's a fourteen-hour flight. It's not easy getting there. It's like hard to schedule a lot of time off. But 
after this last experience and like just all the things that I was able to witness and you know eat and and all that, I think I'm gonna go again within like two years. Like I'm not, I can't wait for five anymore. Five is just way too long um, to not see family like that. So I think I'm gonna try to go again, like max two years. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, but I'm I'm back. I'm uh, still not gaming, but hopefully there's a game soon that you and I can can ride because it's, it's been. I mean, before this podcast really started, like it's it's been a minute. Yeah, well, uh, it's been a minute since you and I have hit the sticks. Well, yeah, the two of us together. I hit the sticks last night, son. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm done. I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm out of yeah, here. You ain't, gotta, you, don't, you, you ain't got to throw that in my face. <laughs> you could easily pick up the sticks. This is your choice, not mine. Yeah, it's crazy because like every time I pick up the sticks, like I'm listening, like for the Xbox, it's Spotify or like Netflix, Hulu, or whatever, and like Amazon. Like I'm not. I'll like download. I'll like buy the game that's free right the free games i'll download them and, yeah uh but then i'll just like won't play them <laughs> whatever whatever i'm busy um yeah let's get out of here all right all right cool. well i'm reza i'm sandy thanks so much for listening we're back